Good morning, church. It's great to be with you today um, and to open God's word and to bring the second installment of our Advent series, A Child is Born. Sarah last week, I thought, did an amazing job of unpacking Wonderful Counselor and looking at who the person of Jesus was in this title that Isaiah gave of Wonderful Counselor. My job today is to, uh, to unpack and to bring uh, a message on the title Everlasting Father. I'm going to read uh, from Isaiah 9, uh, verses 6 and 7, which is the verse on which this um, Advent series is based. And for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of, his, and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so yeah, we're taking the next uh, last week and the next two weeks after this, just to unpack this verse and to have a look at these four names uh, that have been given to the Messiah, Jesus. We're going to end with Mighty God uh, on December the 20th. And next week, Pastor Andrew is going to look at Prince of Peace. So for today, church, we're going to have a look at Everlasting Father. The Hebrew term uh, from, from this uh, Isaiah 9 verse 6 is kind of one big long name. Uh, we're just looking at this, this small section in the middle, uh, Everlasting Father, which in Hebrew, forgive me if you are a Hebrew scholar and I butcher the language with my pronunciation, uh, but the Hebrew is Abi Ad. Now, I've been a little bit perplexed writing this, writing this message, and I'm not going to lie to you about that, that it's been really difficult to try and understand why Isaiah prophesied about Jesus and called him the everlasting father. Because I grew up in church and I've always been taught that the trinity of God, the Godhead, the, the three in one is God the Father, God the Son and God the Spirit. So why Jesus, God the Son, was being referred to as the Father has been a little bit confusing for me and I hope today I can start to have a look at some of the, the aspects of this verse and the characteristics of Jesus to give an answer to the question, why was Jesus prophesied as, as the Father? Let's pray before we begin. Father God, we just want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you for, for this time of year where we get chance to kind of pause and reflect and just, just look at you in all your glory. Uh, so God, I just pray right now that these words that I speak would be yours, not mine, uh, and that you'll be glorified uh, through every word. We love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. So the name Abi Ad is, is from the prefix Abi, which is where we get the name Abigail, and also about 12 different names uh, throughout the Old Testament Hebrew. The, so the name Abigail uh, literally means father of joy. Abi meaning father, and the gale coming from the, the Hebrew uh, kind of root word for joy. But as Abigail is a female name, now, Hebrew scholars tend to think that the name is better translated as the father is joyful, as opposed to the father of joy, meaning that the name Abigail reflects back onto the name bearer's father. So my sister is actually called Abigail, my big sister. Um, and so the name that, that my parents gave to Abby is almost like a reflection back onto my father, that the name bearer's father uh, is joyful. 
And some scholars argue that the name Abiad, meaning this everlasting father, is the same concept, that the name actually reflects back onto the name bearer's father. And, and to look at that name kind of split into the two words, Abi meaning the father of, and Ad meaning eternity, um, eternal, or the word that we're going to look at today, perpetuity. So the father of perpetuity, no idea if I'm saying that word right, so I'm just going to do it with confidence and believe it's right. The father of perpetuity being the translation we're going to take for the Hebrew, Abi Ad. I'm going to have a look at, at kind of two aspects of what I think this name can reflect back onto God the Father, but also onto the name bearer of Jesus that Isaiah was prophesying about in Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at Jesus, the Messiah, being the Father's reflection and the Father's gift. So Isaiah prophesying that Jesus would be the Father's reflection. So we've seen the name Abiad, the Father of Perpetuity, can reflect back onto the name bearer's father. In John 14, we hear Jesus having a conversation with Philip, uh, one of his followers, and, and Philip says, show us the father. And Jesus responds, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. You see, the Godhead, the Trinity, is three parts in one. And you know, without going into major kind of theology and looking deep into this, a very quick earthly human explanation of what the Trinity is. The best way that I've seen it described is as the, the Trinity, the Godhead, God essentially being H2O. Okay, so the element H2O. Um, hydrogen and two oxygen? Two oxygen. Science was never my strong point, but H2O. So God, if we think of it on this earthly terms as God being H2O, and then a part of that we have H2O split into three different I really shouldn't have gone with this analogy because I was going to say elements, but I know they're not elements. Just stick with me on this. Three different parts. Water, steam, and ice. And so the three things, water, steam, and ice, are all very different in and of itself, right? They have different properties. They have, they have different uses, but they are all H2O at the center of what they are. And so that is, I mean, it, it doesn't do justice to the theology of the Trinity, but it, it, it is the best earthly way that I've heard explained of what God is, and then God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But you see, church, essentially, water, steam, and ice, as well as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, are made up of the same element. And therefore, a lot of the characteristics are also the same. And what we see here is this Jesus being the reflection of the Father, is that all parts of the Trinity tend to have very similar, all the same characteristics. John 10 verse 30, we hear Jesus say that I and the Father are one. That he is so wrapped up in who the Godhead is, that he is fully God and fully man. And he's so fully God that he has embodied the characteristics of God. And so therefore Isaiah prophesying that Jesus the Messiah is the everlasting father or the father of perpetuity is mirrored here in what Jesus is saying, that I and the father are one, we're intertwined. You see, it's a, a little bit like having that shared DNA, isn't it? And reflecting the genes of, your, of your, our earthly fathers. You know, lots of people um, often say that I have lots of characteristics of my father. 
And it's that idea that I am a reflection of my dad to a certain extent. Now this, the relationship between Jesus and God the Father, takes it even further and takes it to the point that they have this total shared DNA. They have this total shared characteristic of being paternal, of being maternal, of being just loving the children around them. In Colossians 2 verse 9 in the message reads this, everything of God, everything of God gets expressed in Jesus so you can see and hear him more clearly. You see church Jesus, the Messiah that was prophesied about in Isaiah verse 9, is so much the reflection of God, so much the, the reflection of the name bearer's father as we saw that prefix of Appy in the name that he is everything of God, that he is every characteristic that God is wrapped up in the body of Jesus. And that verse in Colossians says that Jesus was embodied, was the embodied God. He was the physical manifestation of the Godhead so that we could see God more clearly. Church, my question to you today on this, this point of Jesus being the Father's reflection is what do people see when they see you? What are you reflecting in your life? And the, the question I'm asking myself as well is as I'm going about my daily life, as I'm in work, as I'm in, uh, in church, as I'm in my ministry, as I'm in my friendship group and my family and in the supermarket and stuck in traffic and stuck behind you, a really terrible driver, what do people see when they look through my car window or see me teaching a class in school, or, or see me lead in a youth ministry, or see me interact with my friends. Who do people see when they look at me? Because to be able to echo the words of Jesus, that if you see me, you see a reflection of God, you see a reflection of the Godhead, that surely needs to be the aim of everything that we do. To be so intertwined with Christ, to be so uh, synchronized with who he is, that we are a reflection of him. So what is it that people see when they see you? My second point moving on then is looking at Jesus the Messiah, prophesied about in Isaiah 9 as the Father's gift. So we've seen him as the Father's reflection, taking that name Abiad, the Father of Perpetuity, as a name that reflects back onto the name bearer's Father. But now we're going to see Jesus as a gift from the Father. You see, John 3.16, one of probably the most famous verses uh, for our faith um, e ever to be claimed and written on every mug and, and fridge magnet um, to exist, is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a memory verse that we all learn as little kids and so often is the verse that, that, that you know, kids brought up in the church can repeat. But you know, there is such a weight to that verse. There is such a weight to those first words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, the word gave, this idea that Jesus was a gift. And I want to kind of look at this gift of Jesus as being an investment. You see, we were once in this perfect uh, communion with God. In the Genesis 1-2 world where, where Adam and Eve walked with God and talked with God and, and had that relationship. But that relationship was fractured and there was a chasm put between man and God when sin entered the world. And you know, we're living in this Genesis 3 world, in this world that's, that's wrapped with sin and guilt and shame. 
And so the gift of Jesus was an investment to reconcile us back to God. You see, church, Christmas isn't just this, this thing where we celebrate a baby being born. Christmas for Christians is the start of Easter. It's this build up to Jesus dying on a cross and being resurrected and raised back to life to reconcile us back to the Father. You see, in the gift of Jesus, we get kind of this three part process. We get redemption, reconciliation and a renewal. You see, Jesus was the investment that came as a gift from the Father to redeem, to reconcile and renew. And redeem is just to kind of revert ownership, so redeem something back. And so this idea that, that Jesus and, and his birth and, and therefore consequently his death and resurrection was to revert ownership of us and our lives back to God the Father. To reconcile and go that one step further and not just redeem us back, but to restore relationships. And realise that, yes, you know, the mercy of not giving us what we deserve, but then go one step further and giving us the grace of giving us what we don't deserve and reconciling and restoring relationship between man and God the Father. And finally, this renewal, the fact that, that God in his goodness doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us with this kind of fractured life, with this life wrapped with sin and guilt and shame, but instead, he, by the power of the Spirit in us, renews us every single day and so it's you know we're being renewed by the transformation of our minds and we're being you know or transformed by the renewal of our minds you know where i'm going with that but it's this idea that the birth of jesus was an investment from god into us to redeem reconcile and renew there was a, a famous um i i used that term loosely because i was going to say there's a famous um financial investor and I don't know how famous you can be as a financial investor and um, I'm happy to be corrected if you know you think they're, they're celebrities but his name was um, Ralph Wagner again maybe wrong pronunciation but I'm just going to do it confidently um, and believe it's right so Ralph Wagner uh, was once talking about what smart investors do and you know this guy was born right at the end of uh, the Great Depression in America uh, and knew what it was like to, to inv invest risky, yeah, because he, was, he would have been growing up as a financial investor in quite a rocky time uh, in the United States. And he compared uh, investment and the stock market and, and business like a dog on a dog walk. And that there's, a, there's an owner and he takes the same route every day. So he walks up the street, he walks across the park, uh, he walks back on himself and back around to the house. And it's always the same route. And the owner knows it's going to be the same room every day, but there is nothing about that dog's walk that can be predictable because the dog's walk can be interrupted by another dog barking and the dog kind of going off to the side or a group of runners running past the dog and the dog trying to keep up or, um, I don't know, a, a car horn honking in the distance and the dog being distracted, a squirrel running past and the dog trying to chase. So that dog, the dog's behaviours can't be, um, I guess, uh, preempted because it's so unpredictable. You can't predict what's gonna happen. But the dog walker, the dog owner, can predict and set out and that's the route they're gonna go on. And yes, the dog might run one day and walk the next. And yes, he might be distracted one day and be totally focused the next. But the route is gonna be the same. And what Wagner argues is that a smart investor doesn't look at the dog. He doesn't look at the, the circumstances around the dog. He keeps focused on the dog owner. 
And he compares the dog owner to the business, the principles behind the business, the CEO, the leadership, the, the, the very heart and culture and values of what the business is. And the dog on the lead is the market and it's the circumstances and it's the recessions and it's the, the behaviors and habits and, and, and mindsets of what's going on around it as opposed to the, the essence of the business and the business owner. You see, this investment that God made in us as man, in the birth of Jesus, the Father's gift, was not an investment in the market. It wasn't an investment in the context. It wasn't an investment in the circumstances. It was an investment in us. He didn't see on the end of this lead, this unpredictable dog that is our behaviours and our habits and our wrong mindsets. He stayed focused as a smart investor on the person on the end of that lead in control of the dog walker. He looked at you and he looked at me and it was in that person that he made his investment. But you know, this investment from God the Father, this investment from the Father of eternity, the Father of perpetuity, wasn't a one-time thing. You know, in World War I, uh, the UK government was starting to run out of money. Uh, the, the, the Great War had come kind of after, like on the back of quite a couple other things uh, that had happened uh, during the 1800s. And the UK government was coming to the point where they were like, we've got no money left and we're, we're going into more and more debt. and We need to do something because we need troops and we need ammunition and we need to put money behind this war if we're going to defeat the enemy. And so they created a, a, a government bond called a 4% console, which basically meant, and I, I'm sorry, and please correct me in the comments um, if, you're an, if you're a financial person, and I'm butchering this, but the, the illustration stands. And the, the idea was, was that they, uh, they asked for money from the British government, from the British people, sorry, which you, you can see on the, uh, on the screen now is this kind of idea that they were asking people to fund the war. So they said to the British people, give us money, and we will give you a return on your money. We will give you an, an, an interest rate of 4%. So person X gives the UK government 1,000 pounds. And uh, at a regular occurrence then, 4% is paid back on that 1,000 pounds to the person until the bond matures. And then the 4,000 is paid back to the person. So the idea is that this person continually gets a return on their money and gets the full chunk back. Now, with these bonds, these government bonds, uh, there's usually a maturity date set. So this bond will last for 10 years, 30 years, 50 years. With this UK bond called the 4% console, there was no maturity date set. So therefore, the government were offering people an unlimited cash flow, a never-ending number of repayments on that 4%, on whatever it was that they originally gave to the government. Now there's a name for this investment. And this investment, where, where an investor promises and commits to giving a never-ending sum of money, so a, a never-ending, unlimited cash flow, is called a perpetuity investment. Church, this is the God that we see. In the birth of Jesus, we see the greatest ever perpetuity investment. 
And God says, come to me, give me your life, surrender your life to me, and I will give you a new life. And not only that, but every single day, I will give back to you. I will restore you. I will bring you new mercies. I will bring you new blessings. Romans 1.21 says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And church, my second question that I've got for you today to pose to you in this, in this time where we're reflecting and looking back at what, what the eternal father, the father of perpetuity means for us every day, is what is the return on his investment in you? You see, church, the birth of Jesus wasn't an event. It was the start of the greatest love story ever told. And therefore, the grace of God wasn't an event either. It was and still is every day a mindset, a way of life. Every day he's investing that grace and mercy and forgiveness in you. So what are we returning back to him? Are we returning by serving with the talents that he's given us? Are we worshipping with that redeemed heart that he bought for us? Are we building up those around us and living generously, honouring each other, empowering each other, living that authentic life? Because this perpetuity investment from the father of perpetuity is what was started with the birth of Jesus. At this time of year, we celebrate the birth of Jesus and therefore we celebrate the investment of God the Father. And he didn't invest in you because he saw a smart business plan. He didn't invest in you because it's a slick CEO with a focused vision. He didn't, he didn't invest in you because of a clever marketing, marketing campaign. He invested in you because of you, because of me, because of every man that's ever lived and every woman that's ever lived. He saw the potential of a relationship with you and he saw that as being worthy enough. The relationship, the reconciled relationship back between father and man that he sent the perpetuity investment of God, the son of Jesus. You see church, that, that question that I posed at the start, how on earth do we get around the problem that we believe in the Trinity, in God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. And we've got Isaiah prophesying that God the Son, the Messiah would be called the everlasting father. Well, the question's been answered in the fact that we've seen that Jesus embodies the Godhead. Jesus embodies everything that is encompassed in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And so we see Jesus as the Father's reflection, as this namesake of Abiad, where the, where the name reflects back onto the name bearer's father. And then we also see him as the gift of the Father, that God so loved the world that he sent and gave his only son, Jesus Christ. And that was the investment, the perpetuity investment in us as human beings to be reconciled back into right relationship with God. So church, I'm gonna leave you now with the two questions that I asked throughout this message. What are you reflecting? As people spend time with you, as people look at you, as people watch you, 
What do you reflect? Do you reflect a stressed out, burnt out version of yourself that's quick to snap, quick to anger? Or do you reflect the father who invested in you? The father who sent Jesus to earth, yes at Christmas, but for Easter, to win you back, to reconcile you back to him. And this week, as you go about your week, just think about that question, what am I reflecting? What do people see when they see me? And secondly and finally, what is the return on his investment in you? In this perpetuity investment that does not have a maturity date. What is the, the return on his investment? Are you returning to him with a glad heart, counting your blessings, focusing on him, serving him, using your gifts and talents to, to advance the gospel, to point people to him, to build those around you? And so church, this week I challenge you to think on those two questions and, and take some time this week to reflect on, on Jesus being this part of the Godhead, but embodying the whole thing of being the father of perpetuity. Next week, uh, we have Pastor Andrew unpacking uh, Prince of Peace. Uh, and finally, on the 20th, uh, 20th of December, finishing with um, Emmanuel God with us, looking at the mighty God. I want to encourage you to book in for that service. And on the 20th, we're going to have a, our in-person service at 5 p.m. at Havelock. All of the booking information for that you can find, find on the Connect page uh, on the, the church website. But church, we, we're so excited to celebrate and uh, not just the birth of Jesus Christ, but the impact that that has on us over 2,000 years later here in Wales. I pray that you have a great week this week. And as we think about these questions, that it starts to, to affect your daily practice as you go about your day, thinking about what am I reflecting and what is the return on the investment from God the Father. Thank you.